Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and Julie and I are going to be focusing on how depreciation works with rental properties today. Be ready to take lots of notes. Um, we've been getting great feedback on this topic, and we really certainly appreciate you guys letting us know we're on the right track for you. We are also going to be, based on your feedback, doing a series of podcasts of other things that you should know so that you can have easy, you know, have easy, articulate conversations with just about anybody. For example, we are going to be talking with you guys about how to do um, high-end mortgage financing. There's a lot of questions about jumbo and super jumbo mortgages. Um, and we're also going to be talking about construction phases. A lot of you have questions about uh, new construction. You have questions about working with semi-custom and full-custom builders. And so we're going to be going through all that. And our intent is not to give you every single last piece of information when we go over these topics so that you become an expert. Our intent is to give you enough information so that you're dangerous, so you can have a conversation. And then if you find somebody who's interested in perhaps, you know, a high-end jumbo mortgage or, you know, doing a custom or semi-custom, you can have a conversation and then hand them off to whoever is the expert in that particular field. So more topics like this one are coming your way. Julie, welcome to today's show. Thank you. It's going to be a fun show. We are working hard to make them to the point where they can say, yes, it's my pleasure. I can help you. Tell me more about your situation so that they're not referring things that they could otherwise be making some nice income from as a result of helping people in a multiple uh, multitude of different types of situations in real estate. So before we get to that, and we'll be talking about and clarifying the concept of depreciation, you know, yesterday we talked about 1031 exchanges, so if you guys missed that, catch uh, the uh, replay on that. And before we get there, we're going to uh, talk about some Facebook shout-outs. First one is to Zariah De La Batista, who is in Eden Gardens, California, and posted her accountability chart. This is basically the real estate success game that we coach in the coaching essential, I'm sorry, the uh, premier coaching class. And she posted this and says, I'm trying to be accountable. So that's part of the reason we have the private Facebook page. You guys can post your challenges and victories. She says, being accountable, I say my biggest challenge is stupid details that get me away from my schedule. By keeping the numbers, I, don't, I see why I don't have more listings when I have them. Uh, there are lots of work that take me away from prospecting. I need an assistant but can't afford an assistant. How do I overcome these issues? My numbers this week are horrible. This is kind of like the coaching question, chicken or the egg type scenario, right? Sometimes agents will say, well, why would I want more listings when having listings distracts me from things like prospecting? And to that, we point our coaching finger to needing more systems, more accountability, going about this following some specific rules and filters, Instead of, you know, taking a listing, freaking out, got to take care of that listing, and then going from deal to deal. So first thing, nice job being accountable, Zariah. We're here to help you. Come to our daily Premier Coaching Call so we can help you with that. And, you know, this is not just a Zariah issue, Tim. I think you would agree that agents get this whole chicken or the egg thing. I can't prospect because I'm busy with what I've got in front of me, or I can't do my lead follow-up because i got to take care of this business. They spend all their time doing that and then they end up listless. So 
Well, that's that goes back to, to it's really touched on. That goes back to real estate treasure map, um, which you guys will get for free when you request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And the real estate treasure map is literally the fill in the blank business plan. Part of it is your daily schedule and the discipline of having a schedule where you do the things that frankly, you probably don't want to do the most the first thing in the morning. Once you at least mentally and emotionally accept that your life is going to change because what's going to happen is you're going to every single day when you don't feel like doing it, right? Do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Have you heard that before listeners? So when you do that every day and ideally you do it in the morning, when you operate on that level and you consistently then prospect, make your contacts, set your appointments, and then you do everything else in afternoon after lunch, everything else is going to go. And I buy everything else. I mean, your finances, your personal life, everything's going to have an easier time of feeling like it's in balance for you where you guys make a mistake. And it's true for everybody, not just, you know, you guys, but it's true for uh, any kind of business owner, but just people in general. What do, how do people live their lives? They start their day in chaos and they end their day in chaos, right? They start their day by opening up their cell phones and checking their emails, by watching the news, by reading you know, emails, by doing all this garbage. In other words, the first thing in the morning where they have the best energy, the most focus, you know, after maybe a cup or two of coffee on there with you guys, then they, what do they do? They give that over to chaos. They give that over to you know, whatever, you know, jerk happens to be flaming up on their Facebook page or just whatever. Those silly things will screw up your mindset and get you away from actually doing what you want to do or doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. You will actually look for subconsciously reasons not to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. Then you're prospecting, then your lead follow up, then all the things that actually are going to get you paid fall to the wayside. So our strong suggestion is get the book, Real Estate Treasure Map. We'll give it to you for free. You don't have to buy it on Amazon. Just request a, a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And then um, do practice the widget in there, which we call having a media-free morning. Media-free morning is literally do not check Facebook. Do not check your email. Oh my God, what if there's an emergency in my email? Well, we talked to you about how to handle that with the message, the auto reply message that you can put in your email. Don't check your voicemail. Oh my gosh, Tim, voicemail. I cannot wake in the morning and not check my voicemail. Yes, you can, because your leads are going to go to a separate phone number and then your transaction uh, voicemail will have a message in it, letting people know when you're going to be calling them back. You see guys, you need to take control of your days, starting with the morning. And then the other strong suggestion is have a media free evening. Look, a Netflix thing or something on HBO, that's fine. But for God's sake, don't watch the news. Don't watch anything that's going to basically be, you know, some sort of divisive Mickey Mouse or decisive Mickey Mouse. It's going to put your mindset in a crappy place because then you're going to have crappy dreams. You're going to wake up in a crappy mood. And then you're going to go back to reading that crappy crap. And then you're going to have a crappy weekend. <sighs> then that's a bad year. Awesome. Guys get it? Yeah. So read the real estate treasure map. It's a free book, free coaching calls for agents.com. And practice what we, again, media-free morning, media, then go to the extent, like Julie and I literally don't watch the news. I mean, the news is pretty much, I don't care what political eating you have, it's all just propaganda, garbage entertainment anyway, isn't it? News is just garbage. You guys shouldn't even be watching it. And by news, I do mean your Facebook feed. I do mean anything, any place anybody's trying to feed you information that's trying to evoke an emotion chances are that emotion that they're trying to evoke is not an emotion that's going to result in you creating an outcome that's going to be to your benefit. It's going to be to their benefit. You guys get it? You're just being manipulated is what I'm telling you. So pull back from all that stuff. You will go through a period of withdrawal when you start withdrawing from the news and you start withdrawing from 
you know, because your ego is telling you, oh, my gosh, you got to know what's going on. Oh, my gosh. What about North Korea? Oh, my gosh. What about Trump? What? Oh, my gosh. What about the latest? OK, your ego is going to tell you that you have to know all that crap. And then you're going to go through withdrawal like you're literally going to in the morning. You're going to get twitchy. Wanting to know what's, oh my gosh, is there something in the email or is there, what's the, did someone like my Facebook post? It's going to be emotion. And so observe yourself. And that's the funny part. And, you know, if you're being introspective, observe how you do go through withdrawal symptoms. Like if you ever, if you guys have ever gotten off coffee or really anything else, you know, there's a withdrawal process. And that's definitely true with media. And when you go through that, and at, at, once you're on the other side of that, and you can look back and realize how addicted you were to that little fix. Guys, you do know that they have absolutely designed Facebook. And one of the founders actually admitted this, that so that the way that the pages work is so that when you check something, read something, you get a little dopamine hit. So it's literally designed to be addictive. That's not just crazy coach Tim saying something. That's something that one of the founders of Facebook bragged about on stage um, at a live event, we put a videotape of that on our uh, main page, timandjulieharris.com. Just go to the search button and put in Facebook, and you'll see them bragging about it. You know, So you have been uh, seduced into believing that you need to be on top of all this news garbage and all this external media garbage, which when you don't, and it's ruining your potentiality. It's ruining your mindset. It's ruining, really, your relationship with other people. It just doesn't make sense. So just go cold turkey on it. And when you do, you're really going to feel liberated. And then the scary thing that happens is you're going to look back to the person you were and you're going to see that virtually everyone you know is still operating at that lower level. And you're going to feel sorry for them. But then you're going to start realizing that all around you is the opportunity that you thought was eluding you. It was just being blanketed with all this drama, all this media, all this negativity. So as soon as you move away from that and you have to do it cold turkey, like if you're trying to get off a substance, and when you do, guys, you will feel liberated. I promise you. Start small just by doing media-free mornings and then work from there. So those of you who claim you have problems controlling your schedule, if you have claim you have problems working consistently, doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level, you know, we didn't answer all the reasons why that you might be struggling with that. But really, the only answer is, is you're choosing to struggle with it. It is your choice just decide to you know, follow the rules as in the rules from real, or real estate treasure map and of course Harris rules. But if you wanna, people will say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm struggling. And all they're doing, all, what that really is, is they're just, um, they're enamored with excuses and trying to create reasons why they don't have to do what they don't wanna do and they don't wanna do it at the highest level. I can't figure out how to do this and the other thing at the same time. We've told you how to do it. We couldn't have made it any simpler. It's worked for thousands, if not really millions of agents at this point over the last 20 years of us doing this. So just go do what other people have done. You don't have to figure out anything new. Read the books. If you're in the premier coaching class, obviously listen to the dozens and or I don't know, hundreds of videos, training videos that are part of that coaching program. Yeah, really. It's, it's, you know, there you go. So that's my rant, rant over. So listen, guys, we're going to be talking about depreciation with rental properties and, uh, Again, not an interesting topic from you know most salespersons' perspectives. I'm going to give you that. So Julie's going to go through this information, and we're going to publish this information to her notes. But what matters is that you at least have the overview of how this works so you can be articulate and not uh, lie when someone asks you about how property depreciation works, not try to wing it. So write notes as to what Julie's saying and be ready because you're probably going to have someone that's going to ask you about depreciation on rental properties today. You know, we get emails like that all the time. Thank God I listened to your show. To, you know, I went, I had called out on a listing appointment and, you know, sure enough, they were asking the very thing you guys were talking about on the podcast. I just listened to two hours before and I got the listing. So this is another one of those examples. It's information on the surface, 
that's sort of like you should know. And then, you know, you just have to make the decision how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. Some of you guys are really going to be interested in this stuff. Others of you, if you're like me, are just going to want the cursory information so you can, you know, basically make it so that you're able to offer some level of service to folks when they ask questions uh, and then hand them off to an an accountant or something like that. So, Julie, let's go through these points. You don't need to loop me back in. Let's cover a lot of ground, okay? Got it. Okay, so here's our top of the information caveat. We are not accountants. Refer to your accountant for the deep dive. This is what Tim said, making you knowledgeable enough that you can talk the talk. I don't think anybody really expects you to know all of the IRS codes inside and out. That's what accountants are for. So I just wanted to put that out there before we dive in. So rental property tax benefits are really what we're talking about. Depreciation falls under that umbrella. Number one, you can deduct your rental expenses, most of you guys know that, from any rental income you earn, thereby lowering your tax liability. This is what, again, we start with what you're familiar with, then we're going to get into the depreciation talk. So most rental property expenses, like mortgage insurance, property taxes, repairs, maintenance, home office expenses, insurance, professional services, related to management, are indeed deducted. But here's the difference between that and depreciation. Those expenses are deducted in the year in which you spend the money. So you spend it this year, you get to deduct it for this year. It's over and done with. So let's set that aside for a second. That's your typical common uh, expense deductions. Point number two, another key tax deduction is called depreciation, but it works differently. Depreciation is the process used to deduct the costs of buying and improving a rental property, rather than taking one large deduction in the year you purchase or improve the property, depreciation distributes the deduction across the useful life of the property. Now, the IRS is very specific about how you treat depreciation for rental properties. That leads us to point number three. I had to put this in point format to kind of separate the thoughts here. And and guys, we are... We are using, um, when we're going to talk about depreciation, we are using uh, stuff from the new tax law. Okay, so this is current information. But just remember, talk with your accountant. We're not accountants. We're not attorneys. <laughs> we're, yeah, and uh, you know, most, some of this may yeah. change on then as they pass different things. So always default to an accountant uh, just to be safe. But this is current. I just, you know, I just finished researching this a few nights ago. So point number three, how do you know if you can depreciate a property? Well, According to the IRS, you can depreciate a rental property if it meets all of these three requirements. Point number A, you own the property. Now, you are considered an owner even if it's subject to a debt, as in you owe a mortgage, you know, there's a tax lien on it, whatever. You're the owner, right? And I think what they mean is you can't depreciate somebody else's property, which kind of makes sense. Okay, so you own the property even if you owe on it. B, you use the property in your business or as an income-producing activity, such as a rental property. Point number C, the property has a determinable useful life, meaning it is something that wears out, decays, gets used up, becomes obsolete, or loses its value from natural causes, and the property is expected to last more than one year. Okay, so even if the property meets, and it's got to be all three of those things, you own it, you use it as an income-producing property, and it has a determinable useful life. Even if it meets all the above requirements, it cannot be depreciated if it was, quote, placed in service and disposed of or no longer used as a business use in the same year. Okay, so you buy a rental, maybe you put a tenant in it, you decide you're going to sell it now, that all happens in one year, you don't get to depreciate that because it happened in the same year. 
because land does not wear out, decay, or get used up, the land is not depreciable. Okay? So that's a lot of rules. Again, all of this is on the IRS website, but it takes a lot of wading through to get to the point, as you might imagine. Point number four, <clears throat> when does depreciation start and when does it end? So how do you figure out this timing? Well, you begin taking depreciation deductions as soon as the property is, quote, placed in service or ready and available to use as a rental. So here's an example. Let's say you buy a rental property on May 15th. You work on the house for a few months, you have it ready to rent on July 15th, and you start to advertise it online, Craigslist, whatever you normally do. You find a tenant, and the lease starts on September 1st. Well, since the house was, quote, placed in service, this is an IRS term, that is ready to be leased and occupied, when you finish your rehab on July 15th, you start the depreciation in July, not in September when you actually start collecting rent. It's as soon as it's ready, even if it's been sitting vacant. So that's nice to know. You continue the depreciation. That was the beginning of it. You continue to depreciate the property until either, A, you have deducted your entire cost or other basis in the property, or B, you retire the property from service even if you have not fully recovered its cost or other basis. A property is, quote, retired from service when it's no longer used as an income-producing property, or if you sell or exchange it, convert it to personal use, abandon it, or if it's destroyed, okay? So sitting vacant isn't under this category, assuming you're continuing to try to rent it. It's if you move into it, you stop trying to turn it into a rental, you know, it turns into an REO, it's destroyed, any of those things. Now, you can continue to claim a deduction for depreciation for a property that is temporarily idle, as in vacant, as long as you're making, you know, like let's say that you're making repairs in between tenants, you get to continue to depreciate. So, so far so good, Tim? All this making sense? Right. So the way to think of a depreciation, guys, the way to think of depreciation just from a layman's perspective is it's almost like phantom income to you because, again, listen to what Julie said. You cannot depreciate the land, but you can depreciate the building. You can depreciate all the improvements to the building. You can depreciate basically depreciate essentially everything that goes into maintaining that building. So, you know, just think in terms of like a single family house. Everything that goes into that, all the repairs, everything is depreciable. Now, there's a bonus depreciation. Some of you guys are familiar with the IRS code 179. I don't think Julie's talking about that today, and that's fine. It is not relevant to real estate because unfortunately with the new tax code, some of you guys who are in the market for a new vehicle, buy something that's 6,000 pounds gross vehicle weight or above because you can write the entire thing off in the first year, okay? And uh, if you're selling real estate in a, an ag area, you wanna look into how to depreciate, like you can buy, a, um, you can build a building um, but the building has to be for, you know, specific ag type uses. And then you can depreciate the entire cost of the building in the first year. So again, get into the weeds a little bit on some of this stuff, depending on your individual market. Depreciation is like, again, phantom income. So if you had, let's say, for example, you owed $100,000 in, in uh, income taxes or 50000 just choose your number. And you bought a, um, you know, a, a something you could depreciate and the entire cost of the vehicle in the first year, let's say a truck. And let's say the truck costs 100000 so in uh, you're in, let's say, the 30% tax bracket. This is, again, I'm not an accountant. I'm just giving you guys a rough idea how this works. You'll be able to literally reduce your taxable income by essentially 30% of the $100,000 you are spending on the truck. So your, your taxable income will ultimately then, once that's reduced, reduce the amount of money you owe in taxes. 
there, so Julie and I had a um, speaking event. This was, um, it was a while ago in Southern California. And the gal, who, the CPA who wrote all the Rich Dad, Poor Dads, I don't remember her name for some reason, but she came up and she spoke at one of our events we did in Laguna Beach. Um, and Julie and I were at break. We were kind of talking to her about uh, essentially our own personal taxes and what we owed and all that. And she started to laugh in our faces. And I thought that was rude, but I was wondering why. And she just said this to me. She said, you guys just need to buy more rental properties. That's what she said. You don't own enough rental properties. When you buy enough rental properties, you can pretty much offset most, depending on you know the nature of the properties, through depreciation, through maintenance and upkeep. You could depreciate, or you can, uh, I'm sorry, you can save a lot, if not all in some of your cases, of your the federal income taxes that you're now obligating yourself to have to pay. You guys following me on this? So that's the reason that depreciation from a business owner's perspective, which you guys are, buying rental properties, is a no-brainer because with real estate, uh, you get appreciation, though, you know, that's a, a hopefully that will happen. You get dup depreciation, which will happen, and you get cash flow, which hopefully will happen. All three of those things work to make you richer. Get it? <laughs> Julie, next point. All good. <laughs> yes. So All good. there are several different, yeah, there are several different methods used to depreciate. Again, I would have you default to your particular situation as an investor, as well as any of your clients asking about this. But there is a typical, quote, depreciation method. So I'll, I'll walk you through just the basics of this. You don't need to know all of the super specific drill down accountancy type of things. But what method is used to figure out dep uh, depreciation? How do you do the actual math? Well, accountants use three factors to determine the amount of depreciation you can deduct each year. They look at point A, your basis in the property. That's what you've got in it. And it's not just your purchase price. I read about this. I didn't include all this in the notes because it was kind of boring, but I did read about it's not just your purchase price. You can include your closing costs, your rehab costs, uh, anything you've quote, got in the property, right? So your basis in the property, uh, they look at the recovery period, they look at the depreciation method. Now, it, it now this is very recently uh, updated. Any res residential rental property placed in service after 1986, okay, so some of you guys have had rentals forever, it is recommended to be depreciated using the modified accelerated cost recovery system. That sounds very IRS-like, right? the MACRS, an accounting technique that spreads costs and depreciation deductions over 27 and a half years. The amount of time the IRS considers to be the useful life of a rental property. Not sure how they came up with that, but okay. Um, this is different than what Tim was just talking to you about the IRS code 179, which I also uh, looked up. I was considering making a show about that because there are some intricacies to that. That's the one year deal. Depreciation on rentals is 27 and a half years. So they look at the basis of the property, what you've got in it. They separate the cost of the land in the building. Because remember, you can only depreciate the cost of the building, not the land. You've got to determine the market value of each at the time you purchase the property, or you can base it on the assessed real estate tax values. So they let you do it that way if you're not sure how to assess it. Then they look at the basis in the house. That That's basically the house plus the land, the value of the house, and do your math on that. I'm not going to bore them with all these examples. Um, and then there's an adjusted basis, making increases or decreases for certain events that happen between the time you bought the property and the time you have it ready for rental. Okay, So this is additions, improvements, rehab, all of that kind of thing. 
the reason I mentioned this stuff is because these are the types of conversations that you would have with your accountant when he or she is determining the dollar figure that you will be depreciating on a yearly basis. Okay? Now, obviously not every rental property is going to have the same math. That's why you got to take it on a case-by-case -case basis. But what they're using for all of my uh, nerdy analytical accountant-minded listeners is that modified accelerated cost recovery system. So you can, I would recommend that you read it so that you can have an intelligent conversation with your accountant. And I have another little note to self on this, Tim. Our listeners who are dealing with accountants where you know more based on this podcast than they do about things like this, 1031s, uh, depreciation, things like that, the 179 tax code, maybe you need a different accountant. Not all of them are versed on all of this. So anything you want to add to that, Tim, that is my discussion of depreciation. My so your homework, that's right. So your homework from today's show is I want you guys to Google what the IRS's definition of a real estate professional is. This is something Joy touched on the accounting thing that um, I have found personally, very few accountants actually know anything about. The real estate professional is a designation that the where the IRS res, uh, recognizes you as just that, a real estate professional. The difference between being a quote unquote real estate professional to the IRS and just being a normal, you know, Joe or Josephine that owns real estate is that you can write the interest off on the mortgage, whereas a normal Joe and Josephine cannot. I know, crazy, obscure, silly, goofy, but there it is. So as a real estate professional, when you own a rental property, you can do all the depreciating, all the writing off that a normal person can, but you can also write off more of your time uh, managing the property. You can also write off the interest on the mortgage, assuming that there is one. You guys get it? Lots and lots of ways for you to actually you know, rationalize buying more and more rental properties. So that's your homework. I want you guys to go to Google and I want you to research that yourself, real estate professional. In the meantime, if you guys need us for anything, um, you want to uh, discuss a, uh, maybe a, you know someone who might be a good uh, guest on the show, someone you think might be a great contributor, we always welcome those. Um, and uh, if you maybe, for example, you guys have somebody in your market who's doing something really exceptional that you would love to see get some national attention for, do consider sending them to us, Tim and JillieHarris.com or Julie at Tim and JillieHarris.com. And uh, we'd happy to consider them as being one of our uh, special interviewees. So we like to do those every Thursday. Um, sometimes uh, we'll get folks that are authors or we'll get, uh, you know, Julie and I are actively trying to expose. Now we have a, this podcast has, has such a huge audience. We're trying to get you guys exposed to things that are more than just traditional real estate type stuff. We want to start exposing you guys to uh, more stuff on health, more stuff on kind of like what this topic has been on wealth building. Um, we want to talk to you guys about asset protection, you know, start with the very basics like errors and admissions insurance and go from there. So there's a lot of new diverse topics we're going to be exposing to you guys on this podcast, because as we've always said, and I hope you see yourselves as this, you are not just a real estate agent who works for a broker. You are, an inter you are an entrepreneur, an independent contractor, but you're an entrepreneur. You are a small business owner. And if you don't see yourself that way, you're going to never make any money. You have to realize, like, ultimately, your broker's job is not to really help you make any money. Your broker's job is to basically give you enough information to make it so that you're not breaking any laws and provide the legal structure for you to do real estate transactions. But whether you sink or swim after that is completely and totally up to you. And that's the way it should be because you're an entrepreneur. And when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be responsible for your own success. 
And part of that is being responsible for all the things that go, go along with running a successful business. It's easy for us just to primarily focus on sales skills and prospecting and lead generation and building staff and adding teams and all the rest of it. It's easy for us to do that. But what we want you to do is have a sustainable real estate practice that lasts decades that truly makes it so that you guys are rich and rich is where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. Every single day we get calls and emails and just people who discover this podcast and they've been in the real estate business for a long period of time. They have probably been very successful. Maybe their success has ebbed and flowed, but you know they've been in it long enough that they've accumulated enough of a you know, following that they're making lots of money, but they don't have anything to show for it, or they haven't positioned themselves financially to really have any sense of financial freedom. And maybe they're just, you know, the being the number one in their office or, or their market or whatever, isn't really doing it for them anymore. Now they're just wondering why they don't have more to show for all their years of success. Well, that's a lot of, you know, a lot of folks that come to us, that's how they discover us is realizing that you, there should have been a clearer path to wealth building um, that maybe they would have had they discovered it earlier in their careers would be in a different place financially. Now we have a lot of folks that come to us that are in that stage of their I, uh, their awakening with regards to their finances, and we have a lot of folks that come to us that are newer in the business that don't want to make those mistakes and want to start real estate with the idea that they're going to be rich where their money works for them and then they no longer work for their money. And really, guys, there's no other better vehicle for for that kind of wealth building than real estate. So go back and listen to, and I mean rental properties, right? Your real estate practice, guys, listen, is there to produce profit. And with that profit, you reinvest in rental properties. That's it. That's your formula. So if you don't have a big profit from your real estate practice because you're spending it all on branding and lead generation and all this other Mickey Mouse, and you don't have any profit, you're not running a successful business. Your business is not the success of your practice. And this is the real way to look at business, guys. You know, whether you're successful or not isn't when people recognize you, isn't when you are the number one agent in your office, isn't when you get all the plaques and the awards, isn't any of those things that come with being a successful sales agent. The real, you know, I'd say demonstrative proof of whether or not you're a successful business owner is how much profit you're able to drive to the bottom line and then what you do with that profit to create passive income for yourselves. That is a higher standard that I hope all of you guys will at least consider setting for yourselves and we can help you get there. If you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>